Welcome to the Single Cell World, the podcast for scientists in which we disentangle single cell technology. Here, frustration and failure are transformed into clarity and understanding. I am Katia Moutinho, and in this podcast, I want to share with you my experience in single cell research. How? In the form of useful advices that you can use in the lab after each episode. Ready to learn? Let's start. Welcome to another episode of this podcast. I hope everything is good on your side. Today, I will share with you the answers to certain questions that were made during my scientific consultation. And the first is related with data analysis. Yes, you already know that I'm not an expert on data analysis, but I can answer to this one, or I answered to this one. The question was, can I put together sequencing data that comes from a 3'RNA-seq droplet-based experiment and sequencing data that also comes from a 3'RNA sequencing experiment, but this one a PicoWell-based method. And after I have this, all this data together, can I analyze it as one data set? My opinion is no. If you are a bioinformatician, maybe you will not agree with me, And it's okay if you don't, but listen to my arguments. Let's say, to make it simple, that we have one sample that we will split in two. So we will have two samples. Samples, these two samples, they have cells in suspension. The path that these two samples will go until we get our libraries to sequence, it's different. So now let's imagine that we are the two samples. And our goal is to get inside a pool, a water pool. I am the sample that is going to use the droplet-based method to get into the pool, and you will be the one, the sample, that will use the PicoWell-based method. So, me, the sample that will go through the droplet-based method. First, I will need to enter in an aqua slide that, by the way, is very narrow. So, I will need to force myself into it, in, inside of it. After, I will need to slide down and finally enter in the pool. You, you will be using the PicoL-based method to get into the pool. Basically, what you will need to do is you stand at the side of the pool and you will jump into it. Think now that this is what will happen to the cells. In the first method, they will suffer forces to enter into a small or very narrow channel. Using the second method, the cells will simply fall into the well by gravity. So the stress they will suffer is completely different. Besides, it is scientifically shown that the PicoL methods are gentle with the cells, while in the droplet-based method, we lose some cell types, the more sensitive cells. So isn't this a huge bias? I'm sorry, but for me, it's like putting together pears and apples and analyzing it as if they are the same. By the way, if you can convince me that I'm not correct, please, please, please write me. I would love to understand why some people are using this kind of approach to analyze their data. Let's pass to the next question. This question was done on spot while the person was doing the experiment. And the question was, I have cryopreserved cells that I thaw now, and I see that I have 50% of them dead. Can I do nuclear extraction and continue my multi-ohm experiment? The first idea that crossed my mind was no. You need to do the nuclear extraction right away without thawing the cells, because now the transcriptome is completely changed. However, instead of saying this, what I asked was, 
Okay, is this a unique sample? And yes, it was. So this person had two options, or doing the experiment or losing the information of this sample forever because the sample was unique. What I did was to inform the person that there were risks and risks like, for example, losing the money, uh, arrive to the end of the experiment and see that the data were not good or get results, but results that don't represent what is happening with those cells in natural conditions. With this information, the researcher did an informed decision. Also, he decided to move on. In this situation, I think I will do the same. Also, my advice for this researcher and for everyone that is using a multi-ohm kit like the one from 10x Genomics, my advice was first prepare the cDNA, check the QCs if it's good, then the library, also check the QCs and sequence. If the data seems okay, go back and prepare the library for the chromatin. Okay? Like this, we are not spending time and money for nothing. Because if something went wrong and something is degraded, of course, we will see that on the RNA. In the DNA, it's more difficult because the DNA is not degraded so fast. The next question is related with sequencing. In this case, Illumina sequencing. The question was, can I decrease the sequencing length of read 2 for a single cell gene expression assay from 10x genomics? My answer was no. Please follow the guidelines of the manufacturers for sequencing. Yes, I understand I did it myself and if I return to the lab, I will do it. I always try to see ways to save some money right? We all do that. But sequencing, the sequencing conditions is not something that we can play with because it's really crucial. We can get sequences, but if they are not good quality, we will not get any data. So for it too, the recommendation is between 90-91 cycles. If we use less, and again, I can understand why, what will happen? That maybe we will not have enough sequence information for mapping our reads to the reference transcriptome. And this can be a huge problem. It means that our experiment maybe went very, very well, perfect, but then we don't have enough information of the sequences. Basically, there will be missing some letters and we don't want this to happen. So make sure you are using the recommended conditions for sequencing. Also, in the case you are outsourcing your libraries to a company, make sure that they are using the ideal conditions to sequence, in this case, at the next single cell libraries, okay? Again, pay attention to this. The conditions are different depending on the type of libraries that we are sequencing. Now to finish this episode, this short episode, the question is, it is true that now we can do single cell RNA only with a vortex? Well. Yes, but not with a standard vortex, not with the vortex that we have in the lab. It is not so simple as it sounds, to be honest. Uh, it's not just 10 minutes in a normal vortex, no. There is a specific protocol for this single cell technology that we need to follow to get good results, okay? We cannot improvise here. But stay tuned because there will be an episode only about this type of technology where you will get all the details. This is everything for today. Thank you so much for listening to me. 
And don't forget that next week I will be live in a live episode on LinkedIn this time. I will announce it uh, today in the social media. Today or tomorrow? Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> also, if you are in our mail list, if you are in our email list, I will tell you also by email. And today is your last chance to join the online course that I will start tomorrow. It gives you an overview of everything, all the technology that we are using in single cell research. Okay, so don't lose this opportunity because the next edition will be next year, next September. Okay, so thank you so much again and see you on Monday on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening to the Single Cell World podcast. If you think it was useful or you learned something new, please spend some seconds rating this podcast on Spotify or leaving a comment on Apple Podcasts. It will make me super, super happy. For more tips or advice, follow me in Instagram or Twitter at Single Cell World or simply subscribe our website or blog at www.thesinglecellworld.com. Well, I will wait for you next Monday with a new episode. <laughs>